for listening. I'm Deanna and it's good to have you back for another conversation. This time with someone I've known for, well, since I was a teen, I think, since way back when. Today's guest has been leading people in worship for over 20 years. You may know songwriter, audio producer and mixer Henry Seely as a voice of Planet Shakers, the national youth movement in Australia, which he and his wife were a part of since its early days. Or perhaps you're more familiar with The Belonging Co., a church that he and his wife Alex Seely co-founded upon their relocation to Nashville. The church's debut worship album is out now and it's been a bit of a surprise hit perhaps. It's just sort of come out of nowhere. Radio stations everywhere have been playing the songs and there's been a lot of love for the record from people online the world over. Henry, who won a Grammy for his work with Israel Houghton, has released solo projects but always comes back to collaborating with friends in the industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I guess I've spent a lot of years um, kind of with worship um, music and worship artists over the years that I've worked with, uh, all the way back from the Planet Shakers days, working with the United guys on the first couple of records that they did. But, you know, moving to Nashville in uh, 2012, I guess open, in some ways opened up some doors that, um, you know, has kind of made things uh, a little easier to kind of connect with people here in the US. And so I uh, worked with a bunch of different artists over here, ended up working with a uh, gospel artist by the name of Israel Houghton a couple of years ago and uh, mixed a record for him, which won a Grammy, which was exciting and fun. So anytime you mix... Uh, more than 50% of a record, uh, you get an actual Grammy statue. So we, uh, we have one sitting on the shelf right now, which is, I think, uh, kind of the, just the, one of the funny things about God is that he does things when you least expect it. And uh, a part of this season here of living in Nashville, we thought we were moving here for music, accidentally started a church a couple of years ago. And so life really has been um, really consumed with, you know, what, what's been happening with church. And so mixing Israel's record kind of came out of the blue and something I squeezed into, you know, everything else that was going on. And so to uh, wind up winning a Grammy and having that sitting on the shelf right now is just kind of, you know, the irony of God. It's, it's almost like the, the more you put things on the shelf yourself, the more God picks them up at the right time and, you know, hand delivers them as only he can. So A hand delivered Grammy. Well, there is no other, there is no better way to deliver a Grammy, I suppose, than in person. Let's talk about church, though, because you and your wife, since moving to Nashville from Australia, you have founded and pastor The Belonging Co., the local church. I understand, though, that it was a bit of an accidental church plant. It definitely was. It was definitely not what we thought we were moving to Nashville for. Uh, You know, we had been part of an incredible worship movement for a long time in Australia, and to be honest, had thought we were going to stay there for life, and... Uh, I guess six or seven years ago now, God really began to stir our hearts about uh, moving to the US. We didn't know what that, that what that looked like. We had no kind of reference to that. Um, and so we really just moved out of obedience. And uh, when we moved here to Nashville, just kind of got involved in the music community in that first year, really started to meet uh, a lot of people who traveled on the weekends, were not really around for church on a Sunday. And uh, even though they were out really doing incredible things in, uh, you know, from a kingdom point of view, doing a lot of things to impact the church and believers, and then also, you know, outreach beyond that. A lot of these guys really didn't have a a home base, um, like a spiritual home base and a covering or anything like that. And so after about a year of seeing this, that was kind of, for Alex and I, that was a little bit distressing of watching these guys just go and pour out and pour out and pour out from a place where they were not being poured into. And so we, um, 
we ended up starting a, like a Tuesday night small group in our home. We thought that that was going to be something that would just be a handful of people uh, that we'd get to just kind of pour into their lives. And after a year or so, we had, you know, 120, 130 people showing up every week in our basement and, you know, really realized that this was more than just a small group, that God was actually, you know, drawing these people together. And so about three and a half years ago, we uh, launched, officially launched The Belonging uh, as a church. And so now we, we meet Tuesday night, we meet Sunday afternoons, and it's a couple thousand people that would call that home. And it's, you know, really been a, a pretty wild ride, honestly, just watching what, what God really wanted to do here in Nashville. And we were just crazy enough to say yes to that. Yeah, you say small, but 140 people is the size of many churches. And to think that that many people could fit in one Basement. Yeah. I mean, you couldn't fit 140 people in my living room, yeah. but I suppose American houses are just bigger. Yeah. It's a miracle, honestly. It's a miracle. We just happened to stumble on this house that the uh, the owners of the house were moving back to Canada. They were Canadian. They were moving back to Canada to start a church there. And uh, we, we kind of turned up, had a look at their house, and they offered it to us for rent. And it just happened to have this you know gigantic basement that they had built for their kids to practice hockey, because that's what you do. And uh, so they had this huge space in the basement, and, and it just kind of happened to be perfect for us to start a church. So... Who knew? Well, turning our conversation to worship, you've been leading people in worship for 20 years. You've yes. written um, for various records yourself, for Planet Shakers, The Belonging Cove, for other people. You've mixed various records. I think for a lot of people, though, there seems to be some contention sometimes about worship leaders and songwriters being f- referred to as artists. Of course, I just in my mind think, well, if you're creative, and we all are, then we're artists in some way, aren't we? But why is there that contention there, do you think? It's a good question. I mean, I, I think honestly, that, you know, when when you start to delve down into that worship leader realm, um, y- you know, the the whole essence of being a worship leader is you're you're not really there to be seen as much as you are to lead people into something that's it's far beyond you. You know what I mean? It's 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 not really about you. You you facilitate a role. You have a purpose there, but actually, it's not about your artistry. It's actually about making way for what God wants to do. And I think that for me is part of the the wrestle between worship leader and artist. And uh, I you know I, I think both are incredibly important within you know, church life within the church community. I love the fact that even in our church, we have a lot of artists. They're not worship leaders. You know, they would never call themselves worship leaders, but what they carry is the presence of God. They carry the spirit of God, whether that's, you know, playing to a Christian audience, maybe that might be, you know, playing to a, you know, a, a, widely unsaved, you know, non-church going kind of audience. We have a lot of artists in our church who do like film and TV music. One of the girls from our church just wrote the the uh, theme song for the new Blade Runner record, you know, we or movie. So we, we have a lot of people who are, you know, kind of down the artist side of things. And then there are others who are, you know, they're worship leaders. That's kind of who they are. And then there are people who really straddle, you know, both those uh, different areas. They understand their, their facility uh, or their facilitation in the church world, leading worship. And they also understand the artistry, um, you know, kind of bent uh, where they get to create. And it is more something about, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing creatively. Um, so I think it's it's kind of been 
you know, a real interesting journey for us to see uh, how that's all drawn together here in, in our particular church community. And there is such a, you know, I mean, Nashville is a, is a music city, so there's a lot of people anyway in general in our church who are uh, musically minded, a lot of producers, a lot of songwriters, a lot of people who, you know, their nine to five is just, it's making music all day, every day, and out in the road, in studios, writing songs. And so it's it's a pretty amazing community to, to be part of. Well, speaking of artists, touring artists in particular, yeah. people who spend so much of their time on the road, they're not necessarily around on Sundays, particularly if they are, I suppose, um, a, a faith-based yeah. you know, musician or songwriter on a Sunday. Maybe they're leading local church at a Christian festival or at a local church somewhere, and it's sort of their profession, pretty much. Yes. You and your wife pastor a church that is full of creative people like this in Nashville who are musicians that travel, touring artists... And I don't think this is an issue that just relates to musicians either because plenty of people work shifts and plenty of people these days work anti-social hours. Yeah. You don't have a lot of control over when you're told to work. If you work in the medical profession, of course, is the one that jumps to mind. The shift that you're on is the shift that you're on. So it can be very difficult to get involved in a local church and build community for yourself when your shifts and your schedule's always changing, let alone simply attend a service on yeah, a weekend. Absolutely. So yeah. How do you and your wife navigate this sort of community and, and really help people to get plugged in and get connected regardless of how frenetic their schedule might be? Yeah, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we started the, the, the Tuesday night thing. A lot of the, I guess the cycle for a lot of guys and girls here in our town is that they'll leave um, on a Wednesday or a Thursday kind of head out for the weekend you know they might be out in a bus run for for four or five days and for the most part don't get back till maybe late Sunday night or Monday night and so you know for, for a lot of them Tuesday is kind of their weekend Tuesday and Wednesday is kind of their weekend home and we found that you know there's so many churches here in Nashville and in fact there's some incredible churches here in Nashville so that was one of the wrestles for us we didn't really we didn't want to add to what was already going on because there's already you know so many great churches uh, but we we I guess we just really saw that there was a need for these people who their weekend was not Saturday, Sunday. They didn't wake up, you know, on a Sunday morning and go, great, we get to go to church. They woke up on a Sunday morning in, uh, you know, on a bus somewhere in the middle of America going, all right, where are we playing tonight? And so their their weekend being a Tuesday or a Wednesday, we, we really felt like that um, you know, that was something important that we needed to look at. And so it was even starting Tuesday nights was a little bit different. A lot of people didn't understand it at first. Um, but I think we've, we've, you know, really connected with people, given them an opportunity to be home and to be able to come together uh, as a family when they are home, come together together to worship. Uh, and I think too, like making, making church accessible for people, even while they are traveling. I was, at first, I was really hesitant about having any sort of, you know, online presence as a church. You know, I I love I'm a I, I love church. I love being in in church in the worship when everyone's there. And and so for me, I'm like, man, doesn't everyone want to just be at church? But also realizing that actually not everyone can be in the building. And you know, why do we disqualify people who, you know, their the job takes them away? 
the the hours, their work hours mean that they can't, you know, work a regular uh, schedule. And so they may not be able to make it to church on the times where we've kind of designated a church hours. And so even just making church available to them online um, has just been really incredible for a lot of these people who are out on the road or do work shift work. Um, they can, you know, come back and watch church later or they can stream in while they're on the bus out in the middle of nowhere. And, and that's been, I think, really beneficial for people and helping them stay connected to a church community when they are gone for, you know, maybe three or four weeks at a time. I suppose this is the world that you are very used to being a musician yourself, working with musicians um, and your wife by extension, if not just because she's been a pastor herself for so many years, working with people. Not every church leader would be quite as sensitive towards these sorts of issues, maybe having not experienced it themselves, or there's just a lot of people in their church to look after. So what advice would you have for people who struggle with traditional church, the nine to five kind of mentality? Because if you really want to get connected, I suppose, if you really want to get plugged in, then there is a way, but for some people it can be disheartening. I mean, I I think... More and more, we're starting to see churches, church communities all over the place, not just here in the US, but really around the world, start to realize that, you know, we live in a day and age. It's not like 30 years ago where you worked Monday to Friday, nine to five, maybe Saturday morning. You know, there's there's so many more people who are working nights, who are working, you know, erratic schedules, or they may be working the medical uh, world where there are, you know, they might be doing five days on, five days off or something crazy like that. And I, I think, you know, to someone who is kind of feeling frustrated by not, being able to attend a church that kind of uh, meets in hours that are convenient for them. I I believe there are churches that are out there. Uh, I think there's something powerful about having a local community. I I love the fact that people can stream into different churches all over the world, but there is something powerful about having, you know, your own local community. Uh, But in that, I believe, you know, there's a lot of places where, you know, people are starting to see now Sunday morning at at 10 a.m. is not necessarily going to work for everyone. So I just encourage people to just be on the lookout and see what is around the place and see, um, you know, if there are people meeting at, at, at hours that might kind of fit them and, and uh, what works for their life. Well, turning our attention back to worship, for the last 20 years, you've been leading people in song, in church, writing music for the church. Um, but that also means you've spent a lot of time in worship. Yeah. Not just leading people from the platform, but even just being in church. Do you think it ever gets... Can it become quite routine? Can it become samey where we don't really appreciate um, the amazing freedom that we have to worship openly? You know, when you get up on a platform or even if you're in and amongst people in a small group, you're leading them in worship. Can you fall into that trap? Do you fall into that trap of just you get up and do it? It's like muscle memory because it's what you do for a living. Um, And how can we break that cycle of really appreciating the worship moments that we have? I think it's easy for that to happen for people. Uh, I, I know for me, you know, I'm just, I'm very intentional about my time with God. Um, you know, I don't necessarily wake up at the same time every day and, you know, spend an hour just reading the Bible, but I'm very aware of just, you know, I, I feel like I do speak you know, to God a lot during the day, you know, kind of have those moments or I'll just get in the car and go drive or put on some worship. Um, and, and for me, honestly, as a producer and a, and a mix engineer and a worship leader and a songwriter, you know, I, I, 
sometimes worship music is actually more of a distraction to me um, than a, than a tool because I I so easily become you know aware of 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 the song um, you know of the lyric lyrical content maybe of the production things like that and so there are times where I could put worship on and I can just you know straight away just get in that place and there are other times where actually I have to just go and get in the car and turn it off and just go and drive with with you know just nothing on and just spend that time with the Lord where there's no distraction I can't be sitting on my phone I can't be you know being distracted by any anything else and I think it's important to understand um, you know partly how you're wired how how you respond to different things like my wife she has a you know pretty regular routine of what she does in the morning and f- for me things look a little bit different to that um, and it's and it's realizing kind of figuring out what your routine is but really honestly being intentional about that like it, it would be easy for us for our team who you know a lot of them are out leading worship literally you know five nights a week and so we really encourage them, even when they're home, just to be in church, just to kind of disengage from the um, from the leading or the artist side of things, and just immerse themselves in an environment where they they don't carry that. Uh, you know, they're not having to carry that responsibility in the meeting on things like that. I think you just when you are in this position, it's definitely something you have to be intentional about. But for me, I just you know I love God. I love the presence of God. I love being in church, and so I, I could be in worship all day, every day, and. Uh, honestly just love it. So what qualifies as worship to you? What what is an act of worship? I mean, honestly, I think that's a pretty broad um it, there's so much scope in that. I think we have in some ways in in the contemporary church, you know, really um identified and and formulated worship to be a musical expression but it's definitely not that at all i mean i think any any time where you are um focusing on god you know you're spending that time with him any time that you're you know lifting him up any time that you're exalting him any time that you're praying i believe all of that is worship you know sometimes we sing our worship sometimes we speak it sometimes we say it sometimes worship is actually just sitting and reflecting on the beauty and the splendor of who he is and i think that in itself is you know is so powerful it's uh, I, I say to our church often um you know like we talk about you know the songs the lyrics and how the, the fact that they're, they're not the end goal like our, our church the end goal is not that we have a great um worship music moment that's not the end goal those things are actually those songs those lyrics the things that are projected on the screen they're actually they should be a catalyst they should be like a vehicle like a conduit that that gets us in the place where our attention and our focus is on God and uh, from that we can actually you know then step into a place where it's not just someone else's words we're not just singing or praying someone else's words we actually get to express our own words and so we will quite often you know kind of bust past the limitations if if I can put it like that of a song we you know we might start with a song start with a few songs but quite often we'll just kind of press past that where now there's no lyrics on the screen and this is not about a worship leader singing a nice rendition of someone else's song but this is actually our expression our chance as the church to begin to speak out pray out shout out um, declare things about who God is and I think it's it's important even in church meetings to, to make place for people to to offer their own expression to God even in the corporate sense because it helps us you know really not just go through the motions of singing somebody else's lyric, but actually have an expression that's that's personal to us. Thank you. That is a great way to put it. 
you pastor a church in Nashville that's full of musicians. So what about the ones that are particularly well-known? We hear so much now of people becoming essentially celebrities. They're Christians, but they might be pastors of a church. Um, They might be musicians that specifically lead people in worship. They haven't necessarily sought after you know, a celebrity style lifestyle, but through the nature of what they do, they've become very well known. For plenty of people, this is an uninvited piece of attention and they don't necessarily know how to deal with it. And I suppose even if even if you really wanted fame, once it comes, it's like, oh, actually, how do I deal with this? It's not quite what you expected. It's harder than you might have thought. Even on the album, the Belonging Co record, you've got um, some people collaborating with you on there who are simply part of the church who happen to be recording artists in their own right, like Natalie Grant and Lauren Daigle. So in your experience, as you work with so many other incredible musicians, you mix for them, you produce for them, you walk with them through life as their pastor. How have you walked with people who unexpectedly found themselves to be famous? Or how have you how have you dealt with those big issues? Because um, we're talking about people at the end of the day, people who struggle with the attention or people who struggle with the criticism. Yeah. And we obviously want people to feel supported and find their way through these hardships. So how have you dealt with that? Yeah, it's definitely a big deal here in America. Um, part, of, part of the... Um, amazing thing about American culture is they love to celebrate heroes. They love, you know, it's just part of their nature. Australia, you know, not so much. There's kind of the whole tall poppy syndrome, you know, let's kind of make fun of each other and pull each other down. And that's how we affectionately love each other in Australia. Um, But here in the States, it's definitely a different, kind of a different culture um, where where they love to to celebrate people's successes. They love to elevate people um, just in general in culture. And I I think that's something that's definitely made its way into the church. Um, And there is, you know, such a large church um, community uh, here in the States. I mean, so many people go to church uh, and have some sort of church affiliation that you can, you know, some people really are celebrities in in the Christian world. Um, And we kind of all hate that term a little bit, but it's the reality of what it is because they're well known and they are, they do have a platform of influence and they do have a a platform to speak into people's lives. And I think, um, you know, realizing that that's something that God has actually given you to steward and, and we all get to make the decision of what we're going to do with that, just as it would be for anyone else, any other gift that God's given us. We all have the opportunity to steward that for good or for ourselves, you know, for for God's glory or for our own. And I think uh, even in, in the midst of all that going on in people's lives, there's this wrestle of uh, how how do I walk this well? How do I do this in a way that's integrous? Um, That, you know, is is obviously um, stewarding this platform well, but also not making it about me. Uh, And then, you know, people going out on the road and literally playing sellout shows to tens of thousands of people. And all of a sudden everyone wants, you know, a photo with them or wants, you know, an autograph from them or wants to be seen or heard by this person. And so I think for us, we've been really intentional about um, just being very real we're very real with our church, very open with our church, uh, and, and even the people who are in our church, just helping them to, you know, to have somewhere to come home to. A lot of these guys, when they come home, they just, they turn up to church and, uh, you know, we've quite clearly said to our church, please don't go up to someone that you might have seen on the stage somewhere. Please don't go up and ask for a selfie or make that moment about you. Just realize that they actually need a place just to come and meet with Jesus, um, where it's not about them and it's not about you. This 
is about Jesus. And so our church, for the most part, it's been really amazing at, at just allowing people, um, you know, people who are well-known and people who are not well-known, just allowing people that place to come uh, and just, you know, worship God together, be part of a church community where it's not this celebrity thing. Um, but I think too, like there are, there are pressures and we've definitely had to just kind of walk people through that journey of, of what that looks like, what that, uh, you know, the, the challenges of being away for weeks on end when you've got a family or young kids at home, um, you know, the struggles that are pretty real when you're out on the road and just in some ways disconnected from, from reality. You, you're out in a tour bus and the, the whole world's turning up to give you whatever you need, whatever you want, buying you lunch, buying you dinner, you know, sending you wherever you need to go. And so it's easy for people to disconnect from a sense of day-to-day life. And so that's been one of the things for us, just even with church, just helping people get in that place where, you know what, even if you're going to go out on the road for a six-week week tour, try and schedule it so that you can be back in church, you know, on a weekly basis or every other week, just so you're around people, people who know you, people who will hold you accountable, um, people who are going to call you out on, you know, on the stuff that's going on in your life, things that they see. And I think that's where the church has really stepped into this thing of, you know, they're loving each other and caring for each other in a way where people are not enamored by someone else's success. But there's a sense of, we honor that, but we also, we're going to call you out on your stuff. Um, because you need it. We all need it. We all need someone who's not afraid to come in and say, you know what, that's amazing what God's doing there in your life, but actually this area here, if you don't deal with it, it's going to undo every other good good thing that's going on in your life. And so I think just having that, that wisdom to be able to lead people from that point of view and also just really being sensitive to you know, to what the Holy Spirit's saying about people. There will be days where I'll wake up and God will just put someone on my heart and I'll reach out to them and soon enough they're on the phone just saying, how, how did you know something was going on? And I'm like, this, this is what it looks like to be, to allow God to lead you as a leadership, um, not just put on a good church show, but actually invest in people's lives and love them and lead them. And that, you know, that's, that's definitely part of it. Yes, adapting humility. I hear about this all the time at the moment with uh, various people that I speak to uh, through this program and others, people who've really achieved some things in their life when it comes to notoriety and a sense of becoming well-known for what they do. Um, A lot of the people I really like the most actually have the best impression of talk about adapting humility. And, you know, yeah, you've got to allow someone to speak into your life because it's good for you. It's hard to be vulnerable, but it's good for you. What about issues affecting under-30s nowadays? How can we help them? Because particularly you will have people coming through the life of your local church who are hoping to make it big by the time they're 25 in music or whatever field they're in. Yeah, I I think it's a really interesting season in the sense that I feel like people's um, fame and platform, uh, it it can be escalated so quickly, uh, especially through social media networks and things like that. Like it's possible and, you know, reality TV and all that sort of stuff. There, it's it's so easy now in some ways for people who really have no, you know, they haven't really done, um, 
you know, they haven't really done the hard yards and they just get thrust into a position or they see that that's what has happened for someone else. So they, you know, people all get disappointed because it hasn't happened that way for them and they get get upset that, you know, maybe their career's not moved ahead as, as quickly as they hoped or they, they dreamt of. And I think just really helping the people, you know, people, especially within the church, obviously, just to center on the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, God knows, like he knows the right timing and we so often want to run ahead of that. We so often want, want God's best for us, but in our time. And uh, it's just not how God works because he understands that in order for the best, for his best to be revealed in our lives, we have to be at our best. We have to be at the place where we're actually ready for that to, you know, to to be released in our life. And so we, uh, I watch and I talk with people all the time who are disappointed that, you know, they're 25 and they haven't made it, you know, haven't had a number one single or something like that. And it's like, you know what, just, just, actually just trust in God's timing in this and keep working but you know don't don't hustle don't don't try and make it happen for yourself because I at the end of the day I, I'd hate to have a career that I built on my own merit because you know at that point you have to sustain that off your own energy and I think if you can just allow God to open the right doors at the right time and be faithful and steward what he's given you uh, he just does what he needs to do it's been it's been one of the wild things honestly even with this record just watching you know we we didn't have any sort of, uh, you know, marketing plan. We, we didn't have a record label that we worked with for this record or anything like that. We just, we did our best with it and then we just put it out there and just said, God, this is yours. We don't want to be, you know, naive about it, but we also don't want to put a restriction on what you already want to do with this. So we're just going to give it back to you and see where you take it. And it's just been amazing just to see, you know, what God would do when you do that. So how do we tackle feelings of disappointment? Because, yeah, if you haven't made your hit record by 25, you feel like you're never going to make it, even though that isn't old remotely. <laughs> but that can be the case in thir- in your 30s and in your 40s. You yeah. feel like you might have missed opportunities. It hasn't happened for me yet, so it's never going to yeah. happen. How do we tackle disappointment? Well, I think there's so much focus on life being about an end goal about a destination and i think one of the one of the greatest revelations i ever got was actually the destination like the destination is heaven you know like that's 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 our real destination and if we can frame everything up from that point of view anything that happens this side of eternity really is just a bonus so let's stop focusing on an end goal of like, I have to meet this deadline. I have to reach this milestone, this target point in my life by this particular age. Cause I, th- I feel like so many people rip themselves off of enjoying the moment because they're so focused on, on reaching a target, reaching a goal. And uh, it's one of the things I've really tried to do in this season. And it's, you know, it's tough for someone who is creative and loves to achieve and loves to succeed. Um, but I've really, I, I really have to constantly remind myself, just stop and enjoy this moment you know stop and enjoy this moment with my kids stop and enjoy this moment with my wife stop and enjoy this moment with our team because we're never going to get this moment back again you know we might reach a goal and we might get some level of success or not but that stuff's irrelevant if if you haven't enjoyed the journey then that's the real failure i think that's that's where people really rip themselves off of just not not enjoying the everyday life that god's given us let me ask you, actually, because I haven't, how did you come to name your church The Belonging Co? It's <laughs> a good question. So the first year that we met together when we were in our basement, uh, we didn't have a name. We didn't have anything like that. We were really not concerned about that. Um, and it, 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 
honestly just got a little bit awkward of, you know, people wanting to invite their friends to this Tuesday night gathering that, you know, met in these people's basement, that it didn't have a name, there was no information, there was nothing about it. And it just kind of felt a little bit weird. And so we were like, man, maybe we need to name this at least something that people just, you know, can identify with. And uh, Alex and I were just talking one morning and She'd just been reading about, um, you know, really about how Jesus, he gave, even with the disciples, um, you know, there's a scripture that says um, after Jesus came back that he appeared to the disciples and it says, um, you know, some of them worshipped and some of them still doubted. Some of them still didn't believe that it was Jesus. And I think it, it just really hit the both of us that, you know, Jesus, he always made always gave people the space and the opportunity to belong before they even believed. Uh, and I think, you know, there's, there's a bit of an understanding in the church world that you kind of need to believe before you're, you're able to belong. You know, you kind of need to get your life a little bit right before you can really belong to a church community in, in most places. Um, but I, I don't believe that's Jesus. I don't believe he does that. I believe he, he allows us the opportunity to belong to him before we fully even understand the fullness of who he is or who we are in that context. And so Alex was sharing that with a friend of hers who's a uh, scriptwriter out in Hollywood. And this friend of hers just, you know, immediately just said, that's what you meant to call this gathering in your home. It's the belonging. It's the belonging. It's the place where people get to come and belong. And and so off the back end of that, we we kind of been talking about this whole thing about company. Um, you know, not not from a business point of view, but the, the, the original word for company um, was this word from the 1100s um, that kind of had these uh, this partial connotation of it being like a company of soldiers, um, but also this this reference to uh, a group of people who um, could sit at a table and and break bread together. And, and when I began to see it in that context, I realized that actually that's who we're called to be as the church. You know, we're, we're called to fight together. We're called to be this spiritual army, you know, the army of God. Um, but we're also meant to break bread together. We're also meant to share communion and, and share life together. And so for me, this whole connotation that company actually represented this, this, this army of believers who could fight together and break bread together, that for me, I was like, that's the church. That's our church. That's who God has called us to. And so... That's kind of how the whole Belonging Co, the Belonging Company, uh, really came to be. Well, the debut worship album from the Belonging Co has done incredibly well. A surprise, I suppose, hit for a lot of people. Not a surprise to you and your team because you knew it was great. You you worked on it really hard. You knew what was coming, but we didn't. It, the album just sort of appeared out of, out of nowhere. <laughs> All of a sudden it was released. Yes. Um, and it's been such a great record. So thank you for releasing it. What has been your hope that listeners have taken away from The Belonging Co's debut worship album? Honestly, our prayer with all of this is not that that we would kind of write the hippest record or the best songs or have the best production. It really, our goal was just that um, people would get a, a glimpse of, you know, the kind of thing that's been happening even in our church environment, just the encounters with God and that that just that fresh fresh sense of the presence of God as they, they listen and they, you know, get to worship with these songs. That's really our heart. And uh, out of all of these songs, they're all songs that we were doing in church for, um, you know, for the last 12 months. And uh, they're just, they're all, I mean, we recorded this record over three or four different um, uh, 
occasions uh, because we didn't want it to be just one night where we tried to get all the best moments. We just wanted it to be church. And so we really just took the best moments from church and put it together on a record. And so I, I feel like, and I hope that um, that's what people sense when they hear the record, that it's just, it feels like church. It feels like something that it's really not about the songs or the artists on the songs, but actually this is just, this is, you know, almost two hours of, of just pure worship. Well, thanks, Henry. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Deanna. Thank you. My thanks to Henry Seely for his time today. All the Earth, the debut album from The Belonging Co. is available now. The church meets Tuesdays and Sundays in Rocktown. For more details, visit thebelonging.co. And that's it from me. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.